Now I want to take us to a very familiar gospel passage. It's Matthew 25, and I will read just 14 to 20. I promise you, as soon as I start reading it, you'll recognize it, and you will fill in the rest for yourself. So Jesus is speaking and says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also, the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents bought the other five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. And just that far we read. Because as I've said, you've already filled in the rest in your mind. And that's good. I think if memory serves me correctly, that it's around the age of two when things become mine. Parents correct me, but that's pretty much when it is. Two, things become mine. Not yours, not anyone else's, but mine. It could be absolutely worthless to anyone else but it's mine. And you daren't touch what is mine for fear of a tantrum. Of all those things, good parents look at the opportunity and think, well, now that you begin to understand that some things are mine, Perhaps we can teach you that ownership comes with responsibility. And you need to look out and look after what is mine. We also use the discovery of possession to begin to teach our children that sometimes, in fact almost always, it's good to share what we have. Everybody has more fun if the toys are shared rather than fighting over what's mine and what's not mine. Somehow, in our progression to adulthood, we forget what our parents have taught us. None of us have done that, hey? We all remember everything our parents taught us. But in our progression into adulthood, we begin once more to accumulate what's mine. And don't try and take it away. We seem to think that having more is a good thing. And some of us never ever actually break out of the accumulation mindset. Life is wonderful. 
so long as I've got more than you. If I've got more than my neighbor, then I'm doing well. Know people like that? Some folks spend their life possessed with getting more and more and more. Elon Musk, a South African who's allegedly the richest person in the world, I don't know how they measure that, but allegedly the richest person in the world. What do you think he wants most? A little more. It really is that simple. As we meet Jesus, though, Jesus teaches us that everything we could ever, ever possess actually belongs to God. Nothing that we could claim, we could say is ours or mine. Now, just before you go down a rabbit warren, this is possessions, physical things. You are still responsible for your own attitude, your own work ethic, your own relationships. You know, you can't do nothing at work because, you know, God's told me not to do anything today. You're still responsible for that. But the more we encounter Jesus, the more we learn that we actually need to undergo a secondary conversion. Secondary because our primary conversion, of course, is from condemned to redeemed. From sinner over eternity to saint. Our secondary conversion is from ownership to stewardship. So things are no longer mine, they are God's. And I get, as a servant, to look after them. We learn over time to embody what David wrote thousands and thousands of years ago. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, and all who live in it. It's also the same truth that Jesus teaches in the parable. The servants were only looking after what was given to them. It was not theirs. It was the master's. Two of the servants, of course, doubled what they were given and one hid it all away and got nothing back for it, did nothing with what he had been entrusted with. So the provocative question this morning that I hope pokes you in the ribs is what are... Oh, let me rephrase it. Which servant are you? What are you doing with everything God has given you to look after? Because it's not yours. It's God's. As followers of Jesus, it's easy for us to understand because we taught it from very young that God gives to each of us different gifts and talents and abilities 
And we'd like as churches to particularly place emphasis on the fact that these are spiritual gifts. And each one of us has an array of spiritual gifts. So that understanding is not new. But we still, each one of us, struggle with the fact that everything we own, in fact, you know what? We own nothing. God owns it all. We are just stewards given things to look after for an incredibly brief period of time. How long is your employment career in the scale of eternity? Not even a blink. Not even a blink. When my generation was in high school and leaving school, we were told, get yourself a career that's going to provide you with security in your old age. Remember that? There's a lot of you here that are about my generation. Now? Well, you work for somebody until things aren't working out, then you go start another career, and when that doesn't work out, you go and start another career. That long-term accumulation, thank heavens, seems to have left the job market. But why do we leave one company and go to the other? So we can get more. Eh? So it's still there. Now, surely, with generations before us and trade unions all around us, we're going to say, but what about what I earn? Surely I've got that through my own sweat, through my own labor. Surely I've been not given that, but I've earned it. So don't the reward for my labor and the things that I accumulate through that count as mine? John Wesley offers very good advice. Now remember, this is way back at the end of the 18th century. Gain as much as you can. Save as much as you can. Give as much as you can. That's rock-solid advice. Because how we gain is the very first act in stewardship. We've all heard it, and it pops up in the Proverbs, that a lust for money is indeed the root of evil things. So if we're accumulating just to have more money, and money gained at the cost of life and limb, personal or corporate, is not good money. It's not good stewardship. In fact, it more often than not causes broken relationships broken countries, and as one person's accumulating, poverty is left in the wake. So how you gain is the first act of good stewardship. Money earned through honest labor and sound business practice is almost always the lifeblood of a community because it creates other opportunities. 
We save as much as we possibly can so that reward grows reward. We save as much as we can so as the saying goes, money eventually works for itself. So that's our second act of stewardship. To do all of that, gain and save for the benefit of the kingdom. We do that while we are avoiding expenses that are just about being better than our neighbor. We learn to make do with what is necessary for simple comfortable living. The third part of Wesley's advice, give as much as you can, is because gaining and saving are worthless if they do not lead to the upliftment of society in general. Think of those countries north of us where there has been coup after coup after coup. Who's getting rich? probably three or four people in the government. We're just outside the presidential quarters. Extreme poverty prevails. Gaining and saving have benefited two or three people in a whole nation. So gaining and saving are worthless if they do not lead to the upliftment of society in general. Make no mistake here, I am not saying that followers of Jesus must be poor. That's just an absurd statement. I'm not saying that at all, and nowhere will you find it in Scripture unless a person's taken a vow of poverty, but that's a different thing altogether. So wealth is good insomuch as it is used to feed the hungry, bring water to the thirsty, clothe the naked, and provide shelter for those who don't have. A follower of Jesus must have and will have an integral attitude to conducting business. What do I mean? Well, I mean that we are not followers of Jesus only on Sundays. But all of our business practice through the week, whatever it is we employed to do, whatever it is we employ others to do, all of our business practice through the week needs to be kingdom-minded, kingdom-focused. So if we gain excess money from sound business practice and good management, while we're acknowledging that everything belongs to God, then the excess is given to us so that we can offer it to the benefit of community. Notice how I phrased that. The excess that is given to us is given for the benefit of community through our hands. Now, it is true that one person's excess might be another person's necessity. Different families have different needs. I'm guessing that growing up in a 
as one of six siblings, our grocery bill was a bit heavier than the family down the road that only had two children. School fees must have been a nightmare. Thank heavens for government schools back in those days. So there is not a one-size-fits-all. One person's excess might be another person's necessity. Wesley encourages us first to take care of family needs and education. We often forget that this great reformer was also an academic. So take care of your family's needs and education. Then do the same for your greater household. Then from what is left, consider all the people, especially in the building up of the kingdom of heaven on earth. So you see, it's not about, and treasurers don't like it when I say this, but it's not about giving everything away. It's about realizing that what you are looking after is in fact God's. And God's given it to you to provide for your family, to provide for the servants of your household, to provide for the community around you. And we often forget that second and third part. Look back to the servants who were entrusted with those varying amounts. Five, two, and one. Doesn't sound like an awful lot. But we know that they were given those things on behalf of the master. He did not take them aside and say, here, this is yours. The instruction was, look after it for me while I am away. We know that those who used what they were given to gain and to grow were rewarded when their master returned. We know that the fellow that did nothing was punished when his master returned. So here's a very modern thought. Time and talent invested translates into money. That's how the modern economic system works. Time and talent invested translates into money. Money, therefore, represents the fruit of our lives. So to waste money is to waste a portion of our life. On the other hand, when we give our money and our gifts to God through a church, we are giving God a portion of our lives. Here comes the sting. When we hold back our money and talents from God, we are holding back a portion of our lives from God. The good news is that as we grow from toddler to adult, we learn the value of shared resources. Hopefully, everybody moves from mine to ours. And as a follower of Jesus, we take one more step 
and we realize that everything belongs to God. Nothing is mine. Nothing, in fact, is ours. It all belongs to God. We are just given stewardship over it for a small part of time, a very short season. So how do we know if people are getting this right? If there's a secondary conversion from ownership to stewardship? Well, we can see, we can see lives lived to please God. We can see it in lives that are about the kingdom, not about self or neighbor, but lived to please God alone. When all deeds are done and all gifts are given from a heart of love in response to the overwhelming, never-ending, endless love of God for no other purpose. We see evidence of the secondary conversion when there is little or no desire for excess money or material goods. We are content with what we have. And the bit that every single one of us struggles with, financial worries are given over to God in whom we trust for tomorrow's provision. These signs become visible when we no longer consider ourselves the owner. But we live intentionally as stewards of what is not ours, but God's. We are enabled to love how the things of God allow us to care for the well-being of the community around us. That's rock-solid evidence that we understand that we are stewards, not owners. Let's say a prayer together. Gracious and loving God, we understand that you call us to be stewards of your abundance, caretakers of all that you have entrusted to us. Help us always to use your gifts wisely, Teach us to share them generously. May we in our faithful stewardship bear witness to the love of Christ in our lives. Amen.